I <laughs> believe. I believe that. I believe that we. I believe that we will. I believe that we will win. 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 Welcome back to Motorsport 101. You are the world champion! Did you guys hear? A game of football may or may not have been played yesterday. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I am your bitterly British host, Andre Harrison, and welcome to episode 201 of Motorsport 101. Sigh. <laughs> More on that briefly. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, I, amazingly, have still not stopped crying from episode 200. Thanks, everybody. I'm uh, very much appreciated. But uh, all, in all sincereness, thank you, everybody, for tuning in for episode 200. You guys are the best. It was a wonderful, wonderful show. Um, it was uh, beautiful stuff. Um, we really enjoyed it. I didn't have to enjoy picking between Ayrton Senna and Sebastian Vettel for a spot on an all-time list. I wonder almost poke my eyes out. Oh, no. You enjoyed it. You enjoyed it a lot. Okay. It was enjoyable until I saw, like, the flock of angry people with pitchforks and, like, stakes. Um, it was like that scene from the Simpsons movie. It, now, what it, kind it of steaks are we talking? What, are, what cut are we talking? We're talking prime rib. We're talking sirloin, filet mignon. Well, well done. I think the phrase you're looking for here is, uh, to say the least, um, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> we'll go with that. If you haven't seen that episode, by the way, um, it is up in its full entirety on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. You can check it out on there. With me this week are two very joyous and totally not smug Americans. Great. In the blue corner, Ryan Eric King. Say hi. Hey, oof. Dutch gave us a good run for our money. Sorry was almost untouchable in goal. But we, we got it. We got it. We got the fourth World Cup. It's staying home. It's staying home. It's staying soccer. Staying home. And yes, RJ O'Connell is here too. Hello. Hello. Yes. Um, that was a good tournament. I thought it had peaked when U.S. when the U.S. Women's National Team ran up nearly two touchdowns on Thailand. It only got better <laughs> from there. Um, my remarks: um, Megan Rapino is a boss. We ain't going to the White House. Paid these women their equal share. They are basically the backbone of American soccer at this point. Um, also, no matter what we do on this show, in this recording of the show, it can't be as bad as that Bleacher Report painting. <laughs> oh, I, I, I took one look at that Bleacher Report tweet of like all these random ass American celebrities behind the women's team, and like, the first thing that came into my head was, "Look at all these people who pretend to care about women's football." Um, yeah, we only care once every four years. <laughs> yeah, you, you could you know have the have the spirits of like Michelle Akers and Mia Hamm and Brandy Chastain and Amy Wan back in the background, but no. Just the whole cast of Friends, and I'm pretty sure one of them is Canadian and not even American to begin with. 
just to do it. Just just to do it. Like, well done, Bleach Report. Well done, Bleacher Report, on in completely missing the mark. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. More yes, here is else. a Bleacher Report article about the top 40 celebrities in this very awkward painting on this Bleacher Report tweet. <laughs> you mean you mean it wasn't on BuzzFeed? No? Uh, <laughs> so, like, so, also, <laughs> we have other important question to ask. How is the third place match to right? There was a third place match? <laughs> I mean, well, I figured y'all would have been up to it, considering Lucy Bronze is your star. <laughs> you fuckers. <laughs> Look, I'm not all that mad. I am delighted at how well the English team did. They played very, very well. Oh, they yeah. really did They really did give the Americans an excellent run for their money in the semi-final. They, they, you could argue it should have gone to extra time at the very least. Um, you know, very unlucky that uh, they, they... I don't know why they changed penalty takers at the last minute. I know um, um, they... they I know they missed their first two earlier in the tournament, but changing takers at the last minute. Why not just give it to Ellen White, for God's sake? Um, like, why? Why? Just let the hot hand take it. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Honest. Uh, you know, as Lewis puts in, puts in the Discord chat, losing a semi-final, having a goal disallowed by VAR, missing the penalty and having a player sent off. Peak England. Uh, <laughs> Man, VAR giveth and VAR taketh away. Mm. Yeah, if, if, if there was one tournament to expose, like, just how far VAR has still got to go, it was blatantly this one. Like, but for this, example, this was, Scotland... Ar- this was the first women's international tournament, period, that's ever had VAR. And it showed. Um, <laughs> like... Having, like I don't know if anyone I don't know if anybody here like ever saw the Scotland v Argentina group stage game where it took them five minutes to decide whether whether that was a penalty or not. By this point, like Scotland was literally trying to tease the Argentina penalty taker. Like they score the penalty, then it has to be retaken again because one of the attackers crossed the goal, like crossed the eighteen yard line on the kick and had to be retaken and then they didn't add the VAR time back onto the end of the game <laughs> it was uh, the game ending 3-3 Scotland blowing a 3-0 lead in the space of 20 minutes and then as a result of a 3-3 draw effectively knocking them both out <laughs> peak shithousery peak <laughs> like, I can't like, believe you know, Holland's goalkeeper also is not on a club anymore yeah, at the end of the Women's Super League season, Arsenal released her. What? <laughs> Arsenal, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, that's right, being Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, I, trust me, I would know. Uh, one Piers Morgan would know. Yeah, yeah, the, it just answers itself, man. Yeah, like, again, Dre's other, like, utterly other, maybe not entirely sticking to sports points. Well done, England team. You, you did not disgrace yourselves in any way, shape, or form. We did really, really well. Shout out to Manchester United player Alex Greenwood out there who did a great job in the back four. Much appreciated. Shout out to the fact that 11 million people watched the semi-final here uh, in the UK, which is a ridiculous number. I think they peaked at like 4 million during the last Women's World Cup um, in 2015. Um, like So the fact that 11 million people in this country watched the semi-final, trust me, for those guys that aren't in the UK, that is a massive number. That is about like one in every five TVs in this country. And... Which, which, as Lewis pointed out, it was the 
most watched TV event in this country in 2019 so far, which is awesome. So, we had 19 million viewers in the States <laughs> for the final two. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's already having a massive effect on the English game. Uh, the Women's Super League are in talks to have a full-on merger with the Premier League. Uh, they're, oh, wow. They're already in talks to have... Uh, straight up double header matches during the season and that sounds amazing yeah that's wonderful a lot of the marquee women's super league matchups this season will be played in the men's stadium including during the opening round of games they're in they're in closing talks to have the manchester derby which is opening the super league season at the etihad And Chelsea Spurs at Stamford Bridge. Also, may I say, with the MLS uh, putting through its expansion efforts, I gotta say, y'all, give the NWSL a little helping hand, please and thanks. Yeah, because they only have nine clubs in their league. Wow. Still, that is awesome. And, uh, yeah, that, that's brilliant. I did not know some of those, some of the little nitty-gritty details regarding that. That is fantastic news. Like, if, if 11 million people can watch a nationally televised women's game of football, then it's, there is clearly a market for this. There is clearly demand for an expansion. Um, as mentioned briefly by guys earlier, I, you know... Keep like if, if like keep pushing for equal play. Please keep watching the game if you enjoyed the World Cup. I think this was a fantastic World Cup. It was way better than four years ago. The standard of the game has clearly gone up, um, which is fantastic. It, I'm sure it will only get better with with all you guys support and watching. Um, like that that's the whole idea. There's clearly a demand for it, at least in this country, and I hope it continues to grow because hey, if we want to beat the Americans one day, we have to keep supporting this league because they're bloody good. Okay? <laughs> they're really bloody yeah, good. Yeah, but just think of, though, you gotta you gotta go through Rose Lavelle next. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> next, <laughs> ne- ne- next woman up. Next woman up. Welcome to Clearly. the factory. <laughs> Welcome to the factory of sadness, I should say, at this point, if you're British. Uh, but yeah, shout out to the Americans. They are fantastic. I love, like, honestly, I know it's easy to say being British to you know, naturally despise anything that comes out across the pond, but the, that the American team are incredible. They're a great set of personalities. Us Brits getting ridiculously snooty about their celebrations was completely dumb as fuck there is nothing there is nothing cooler than winning and being able to talk as much shit as you want like it's it, it, we've been begging the mercedes formula one team to be doing this for years rather than trying to pretend that ferrari are some sort of imaginary threat like go out there and goddamn stunt like that like that's why i loved alex i loved alex morgan's tea celebration you get you get to you know poke fun at her for diving in the semis in the final like to the nth degree she was bloody brilliant and she was probably the real winner of the golden ball not Megan I take 15 penalties Rapino um <laughs> sorry Megan hey, I love you but hey, not they're, like not, that. they're not the easiest to make of, shut up <laughs> <laughs> shut your fucking mouth kid. um and in, 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 so you know like I, I, again I, I did raise an eyebrow at Megan Rapino uh, winning the golden ball but she has been a majestic leader for the American team and not getting too political she is a fantastic person on and off the pitch um and a brilliant ambassador for sport in general basically t- you know putting two middle fingers up at Donald Trump the, the Cheeto in chief um was tremendous um again like like again clowning people like Trump and Piers Morgan who were saying oh you know you know, you've got to, you've got to win before you can start you know dunking on, well, on people mission and, accomplished and you- back to back <laughs> right. by the way <laughs> 
yeah, like like taking the time to like to like those two guys are saying, oh, you got to win first before you can dump your political thoughts out here in a sporting platform. This coming from a British journalist who once pretended to got to get mad on his show Good Morning Britain by pretending to be mad about vegan sausage rolls and then raking in the money when the clickbait views rolled in, and you have the audacity to tell like one of the most iconic people in women's sports that you have to win before you dare get to speak out in your platform. Fuck you, Piers Morgan, you utter cunt. God, like, seriously. I mean, granted, like, I know it, I know the man hasn't seen a winning football club that he supports in about 15 years, but come on now. <laughs> like, seriously, I can't stand that fat, cretinous heathen of a man at this point. He ain't I, important. I he ain't important, like, though. That's the most important, important. Like to, you know, for her to go out there, win, you know, win the Golden Ball, win the World Cup, and then quote Nipsey Hussle on Instagram. What a baller! Like, like that. That is my idea of a hero, right we there. Stand. So, uh, we stand. We forever. stand. We 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 collectively stand for Megan Rapinoe, Alex Morgan, Rose Lavelle, and the entire U.S. Women's National Team. Congratulations to them. They were awesome. Great tournament. Keep supporting the women's game, everybody. Right, places you could find us real quick. You're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Again, if you want to see all of our episode 200 live stream in full unedited glory. And a couple of internet dropouts. It's all there for your viewing pleasure. Um, we're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks, and at RJ O'Connell. Um, and if you really like us, you can follow us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows before they go out. $10 gets you into the uh, into the supporters club of our Discord server. We can listen to these shows live as they go out. Big shout out to all the Discord guys listening in as well. We got uh, Charles in here. Uh, we got Steve. We got Vince in here. Hey, man. We got Lewis in here. Cam, as well as Vic. Hey everybody, hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight, thanks for joining us as always. Going to be a very bike flavoured episode this this time round, because we had a double header of, uh, of, of Gloria's MotoGP, put everybody to sleep in Germany. Well, the main event certainly anyway. But hey, we got some electric bikes, and that was fun. So, so all of that and more, as well as World Superbikes, back home at Donington, as, uh, wait, Bautista didn't win? Any of them? What do you mean Jonathan Ray won a treble that has now got a race in hand going into the summer break? Do I need <laughs> to get the other theme music for this episode? More or less. <laughs> get, get, get the 8-track ready. That's all I'm saying. Get the 8-track ready. We'll also have a little bit on the W Series. We'll also have one of the dumbest crashes ever seen. And for the second time in the history of Motorsport 101 as a network, I have to explain the Lucas Mahias rule. <laughs> Oh dear fucking god, help us all. It's it's, uh, it's in other words, if you want to know how somebody got disqualified from a second place finish after a red flag, tune in later on and you only have to have me explain it to you. It's not pretty. Just take my word for it on this one. It's not great. We'll also briefly cover the Google Festival of Speed, the W Series at the Nissan Ring, and uh, hey, Robert Wiggins is back in a car? Are you kidding me? Yes! And... And an amazing 1,000 to 1 long shot winner in NASCAR. Where to copy Jack Miller's gimmick. <laughs> so, all that and much more in this rousing episode of Motorsport 101. 
After the break, we'll be back to talk MotoGP in Germany. And hey, take a wild guess who won in the MotoGP race. Go on, I dare you. Please tell me, KTM got the shock win, right? Right? Uh, <laughs> who's who's going to tell him? Um, <laughs> yeah, let's just cut to the chase here, boys. Let's just cut to the chase. It was a MotoGP race in Germany in the year of our law, 2019. Who do you think won? Alex no, Hoffman. it wasn't Andrea. <laughs> I said 2019, not 1999, Jorgen van der Oh, <laughs> <laughs> John Kaczynski. Yes. <laughs> somebody, somebody gaffer tape RJ's mouth. Um, <laughs> yes, it was Mark Marquez. You're Woo! all surprised. <laughs> yes, Mark Marquez for the 10th year in a row across all three classes won at this Axon ring in dominant fashion in the end. And, uh, well... What can you say here, fellas, besides uh, dial up another beat him down for Mark Marquez because he is virtually invincible around here. Oh, Lord. Oh, I mean, man, I remember back when Mark Marquez had zero wins here. Robert Kubica was a confident Formula One driver. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, this year's CONCACAF Gold Cup theme song was actually relevant. Which was um, My Way by Limp Biscuit, by the way. Believe it or not, not lying. The WWE's go-to <laughs> promo theme song music. <laughs> and I hadn't even taken my GCSEs yet. Like, that's how long ago this was since the last time Mark Marquez didn't win a race at the Saxon Ring. Says 26-year-old me. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Um, but yes, Mark Marquez, 10 years... 10 pole positions, 10 race victories, and he never, ever really looked like he wasn't going to do it. He was a, he was challenged roughly in qualifying by one Fabio Quattararo, who somehow was able to injure himself even further after going through arm pump surgery a month ago. Somehow popped out his other collarbone, going down the waterfall, having an almighty wobble. He, he wobbled it so hard he popped his shoulder out. Ooh. Um... <laughs> Ouch. Um, popped back in, was able to continue the weekend as normal. Be why? Because bike riders. And that was only the second craziest injury of the weekend. We'll get to the biggest one in a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, Mark Marquez led this race from lights to flag. He was completely untouchable. Vin Maverick Vinales tried to go with him in like the uh, the second uh, like full third lap. But then when Marquez said it himself, after he got comfortable... Um, after about lap three, he pulled the pin, set a brand new all-time race lap record to match the uh, lap record he'd already set in qualifying, and uh, laid the hammer on everybody. It didn't help when second place runner Alex Rins binned it. So, uh, oh, oh, this is so sad. Let's play free falling by Neil Young. No. This wasn't pretty, folks. Second race in a row, Alex Rins bins it from a potentially podium-finishing position. I mean, he did it in Aston as well, where he crashed from the lead. And uh, That's free-falling yeah. by Tom Petty. What the fuck am I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so can somebody fix RJ's jukebox, please? Um, <laughs> something's gone badly wrong here. <laughs> 
I'm going to keep it real with you, 57th Prime Minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe. This is not going to burn Japan's declining birth rate. <laughs> yes, Mark Marquez has broken me like Mark Marquez has broken the Saxon ring. Ten pulls, ten wins, ten years, and I'm surprised he didn't get ten fastest laps in that string, too. And he had three. Didn't need to go any faster. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean... Let's be real here. This wasn't a great race. I mean, I think part of that is because we're a little bit spoilt as fans. We're used to this almost like Peloton-esque leading group for the win, leading up to this big crescendo uh, by the end. And uh, we didn't get that here. Marquez pulled away and was not seen again, essentially. Um, the best we got was a a rather decent train for fourth, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, but once Rins went down, it really was all over. Like, Rins was desperately trying to keep within a couple of seconds of Mark and then uh, crashed at the top of the waterfall. The, now the Ralph Hoffman curve has now been renamed. Uh, but we, you and I all know it's the waterfall, and he binned it at the top of it in uh, not pretty fashion. Uh, uh, long slide, and yeah, as, as Lewis pointed out in the, in the Discord... Uh, you could you could argue that Rins has pissed away 45 points in the last two races, given he pissed off a, 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 a easily a, a good chance to win at Assen, I would argue, given how well the Suzuki is at the moment. And as a result, Rins is now 84 points and realistically out of title contention by summer break, when he was a, a guy that I think people were looking at as a as a low-key title contender, which is, a, which is a real shame, you know? Mm. Um... I agree. That that win in the, at Coda still really sticks out to me, and you know I, I'm surprised mm. that it's that Renz has gone through this rough patch. I I would like to hope that he can pick it back up as the second half of the season picks up. It's, which is going to be hard to really wrap our heads around here because now Mark Marquez has a 58 point lead in the championship going into the summer break. What was it that you had said, Dre, uh, before qualifying that um, Davizioso's season rests on the following three hours of sessions? Well, getting knocked out in Q1 by Takanakagami, whose ankle injury he sustained at Assen had gotten worse as the weekend had gone on. Um, by Saturday, he was walking around in crutches. The, like He'd actually aggravated the ankle injury he'd already picked up from Assen a week prior. Um, like Again, as, as Cam points out, severe ligament damage um, in the ankle. But he, he, was, he was determined to keep going. And uh, in, the, in the dying embers of Q1, he... He put out a Banzai lap that put him above Andrea De Vizioso and knocked him out of the Q1 top two spots and uh, forced Ovi to start from 13th on the grid. One of the bravest laps of the year that will not be televised. <laughs> like, um, there's big balls and then there's Takanakagami, ladies and gentlemen. Um, a truly majestic uh, lap. He finished the race in 14th, got a couple of points. Second on the list of ridiculous injuries going into this weekend. Um, <laughs> oh dear. But uh, uh, shall we cover the fact that Cal Crutchlow here, like, had actually, you know, had a minor leg fracture and tore his ACL clean off the bone in between weekends? Is that bad? <laughs> Sounds bad. Um, I mean, you could do things like play basketball with a torn ACL, right? If, if that happens in basketball, you're on the shelf for a year. Oh. Like, you might come back for next season's playoffs. Oh. At best. Um, Cal Crutchlow rode a motorcycle 
all weekend in intense pain and finished on the podium. Unbelievable. Why is it that Cal Crutchlow is always at his best when he's injured? I don't understand it. It's like somehow getting hurt motivates him. I remember that time he busted his ankle at, at, at Silverstone. Um, the, like a few years back when he was still at Tech 3 Yamaha and I remember he had to start from the back of the grid and he came all the way through uh, to finish I think in 6th place and it was a superhuman performance it was insane and Lewis pointed it out as well that he was barely fit in Qatar after the ankle injury he completely mangled at Philip Island oh jeez I still have nightmares looking the at the aftermath that of that too. Jesus <laughs> it's like, Cal Crutchlow is better hurt. <laughs> like, I don't understand this. <laughs> it's 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 mind-boggling logic. It it really is. I don't know how he does it. He just does. As Cam pointed out, he climbed off the bike after the end, and he was in Park Fermi, and essentially collapsed over the barricade into his team's arms. He he clearly was in no fit state to like to even walk, uh, let alone come off the bike after a a 40-minute motorcycle Grand Prix. Um, for anyone that thinks we throw around the term alien in this sport, um, just look at Cal Crutchlow. It's, it's, uh, it is mind-boggling how he does it, but yet he still does it. It's, uh, it's phenomenal. Right. Uh, it's a podium finish for Cal Crutchlow. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal scenes. One of the rides of the year. Um, one that'll further lionize Cal Crutchlow is one of the toughest uh, riders in our sport, uh, certainly of this and any other era. And hey, further lionizes him as Britain's number one, the plucky, scrappy British hope. Always the way. Always the way. Yeah, this race was a bit shit. Don't go out of your way to see it. If I'm being real with you, BT Sport put their highlights up on their YouTube channel. Go watch that. It's You, you can cut it down to seven minutes. It's very useful. Um, that would be the best way of going about it. Unfortunately, uh, as, uh, as Cam, who loves a good Doom Guy reference, he broke out the BFG. Um, <laughs> I don't think you need me to tell you what that stands for. I'll give you a hint. The B and the G stands for big and gun. Um, but, but yeah, like I said, don't go out of your way to see this. Uh, is, is the best I can give you. It wasn't great. I mean, if I'm being completely 100 with you here, the Saxon ring has never been the best of racetracks for MotoGP, um, unfortunately. Um, I think the bikes themselves might be a bit too powerful for this place now. Um, the track is small, it's tight, it's very slow in the context of what GP is these days. Um, it may not be the best fit, and now it is like a uh, complete uh, buster of a round for Mark Marquez, which is only going to add to the shade for certain people. Don't, people, people don't like bank arounds in a sport where we're often sport for how competitive it is, unfortunately. Um, and that's probably not ideal, to say the least. But, uh, hey, you know, as, as Lewis pointed out in the chat, um, his arms crossed celebration coming over the line was completely gangster. Like, it's totally been the thumbnail for this episode. I don't care what anyone tells me. Um, it was, uh, it, it was a beauty. A brilliant celebration, if I do say so myself. Including fireworks and Marquez literally jumping into the crowd. Very cool. 
How does anyone dislike this kid again? Like, seriously, I don't understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm all here for some Mark Marquez beat him downs, honestly. They're fun every once in a while, just don't get too used to it, I would say. Like, like every once in a while I'm okay with this. Um, let's, just, let's just not make it a weekly thing, otherwise people are going to get very pissy about this in the F1 versus MotoGP sweepstakes. Never a fun time when people can keep comparing series, for God's sake. Right. Here's the quick rundown of the of uh, <laughs> I love the big in the Discord immediately went. How's every other week for you, Dre? <laughs> um, my answer to that is toasty. Um, <laughs> here's the, the the quick rundown of the results. Mark Marquez winning by four and a half seconds, and then that it could have easily been a fair bit more if it wasn't for said gangster celebration. Very much appreciated. Um, four and a half seconds over Maverick Vinales, who very quietly. Um, to, uh, backed, backed himself up after a great performance in Aston with another solid second place. Hey, Maverick might finally be getting his shit together. Look out, everybody. That, that, that could be fun to keep an eye on in the, in the next coming rounds because it looks like him and Fabio Quattararo are finding ways to be very yeah, fast. Yeah, you know, the two, the two factory Yamahas. This, this is only a good thing. <laughs> the two factory Yamahas. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 kind of scary. Like like as Lewis pointed out in the Discord, the Rossi fans got mad when he said the two Yamahas are my main threat, Vidiales and Quattararo. <laughs> Yikes! Uh, not pretty. Just 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 throwing that out there. Um, and I know a lot of even the most hardcore Rossi fans I know. Hi, Kevin. I know you're listening. Um, <laughs> has even said it might be the beginning of the end. And. Uh, I wouldn't go that far just yet, but uh, it's not been good. Like the fact that Rossi even finished the race for the first time in four rounds is cause for celebration. Not pretty, uh, to say the least. But uh, hey, Maverick's back. Nice to see. Carl Crutchlow, as mentioned, superhuman inferred to even stay with Maverick for as long as he did. He he desperately tried until the penultimate lap to try and find the way around Maverick. Couldn't do it. Gave up the ghost of about a lap and a half to go. Thank heavens. In the second group... Um, wait a minute. Danilo Petrucci overtook his teammate. What's going on here? Um, <laughs> Fresh off its oh. extension. Yeah, ah, that, that explains it. <laughs> yeah, that that pretty much explains it. Like, Danilo Petrucci actually got a contract re-signing for 2020. And immediately decided to beat his teammates. So, so that's where Danilo's been all this time. <laughs> so, so what happened to Danilo? I will do everything to help Dovi win this championship. Huh? Huh? <laughs> like, uh, again, as uh, Steve pointed out in the Discord, help Dovi win the championship through whatever means necessary was literally the quote after Mugello. A month later? Whoops. Um... <laughs> Just saying, Danilo Petrucci ahead of his teammate by a tenth of a second. He was fourth, Dovi was fifth. Uh, welcome to Jackass in sixth place on the Pramac bike there as well. Again, right behind him in a uh, Ducati Civil War. And uh, it's not a pretty look for Ducati at the moment, to say the least. Um, yeah. I was I was quite critical about them. I wrote I, I wrote about this um, on the Drake the Races blog uh, I did about Assen a week ago. Well, not quite a week ago. We'll be a week by the time this goes out, most likely. But um, I said, like, I'm starting to worry that Ducati is a bit too passive for its own good. Um, it's weird, and again, as Cam pointed out in the Discord, like this at the start of the season, we were worrying about whether Ducati were cheating. Right? Yeah, I remember all this. Not like, like, not only the whole shot device, but like 
also um, all the extra fancy tech that had been going on this thing. And now they're getting curb stomped. Yep. It's a weird vibe. For yeah, from Miller, I mean, again, Joanne Mir was in that group as well. He was in seventh. The aforementioned Valentino in eighth. A lot of talk is race pace might have gone. Um, I've got to be careful how I say this because, you know, they, they might be targeting my internet connection. Who knows? <laughs> um, who, who, who's counting at this point, quite frankly? Um, but it's not a good time for Valentino, who's been thoroughly curb-stomped by Maverick Vinales for the last three rounds in a row. Um it it's it is uh it is un, it is not good and as Lewis mentioned after the after the break it's Austria. Mm. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. And, and and as and as Cam and Lewis have mentioned as well, the quaddy pace has been gone for a while and he was never the best qualifier in the world to begin with and uh, now that's gone and you can't keep clawing your way back from fifteenth on the grid every single weekend and expect to win races consistently or even challenge for victories now. The field is too good. Um and uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it, there's there's work to do for Valentino in that camp. And if you're Yamaha, I've mentioned this before. It may be time to make some tough decisions about your future. Just just saying. Um, Frankie Morbidelli was ninth. And oh look, the other Repsol Honda's in the top ten for the first time this season. Stefan Bradl was riding it. Uh, yeah, there's a joke there somewhere. Stefan Brader gets a hot, I guess a top ten finish at home for the German fans. Nice to see. Yeah, good to um, see him back. Good to see him back for a little while. Tito Rabat um, in eleventh. Uh, T- Paul Despargaro in twelfth ahead of Andre Iadoni um, in thirteenth place. Takanaka Garbi again, stunning job to even finish that race with in, in his ankle in immense pain in fourteenth place. And Carol Abraham getting the final point in 15th place ahead of Hafi Sirin, Francisco Bagnaia, and Miguel Oliveira. The latter two both recovering from crashes. Four DNFs. Alicia Spagaro binned it two laps from the end. Alex Rins, as mentioned, fell from second. Sad times. Johan Zarco fell on lap three. And in case you haven't mentioned it, Fabio Quattararo had, had a crash in a race for the first time in his top flight career. Oh. Um slid out at the bottom of Omega on the second lap of the race. We were actually, I was actually really looking forward to see him scrapping it out with Maverick again, and uh, didn't happen, unfortunately. Sigh. But, uh, yeah, all the talk in the Discord right now about what's going on at Yamaha. Very, very interesting indeed. That might even be video-worthy. Hmm. Just a thought. YouTube.com um, forward slash Motorsport 101. Click the bell to get notifications on uploads such as this. Smooth. Championship standings off as we head into the summer break. As mentioned, uh, Mark Marquez with a 58-point lead. Doing it for Semicelli. Very nice number. Very nice what you say myself. Like, it's terrifying to think he's 58 in front and he didn't even finish arguably his best round at Cota. This is a complete and utter curb stomping by Mark Marquez at the front of the field right now. 58 in front of Davizioso. Danilo Petrucci, only six points off his teammate now. Hmm. Mm. There's a thought. Um, he's further at 121 points. Alex Rins in fourth, now 84 off the top of the back-to-back DNFs. He's on 101. Good number. Just don't stay there for too long, Alex, please. Um, Maverick in now up to fifth in the championship after 45 points in his last two rounds. He's now on 85 ahead of his teammate, Valentino Rossi. 
down in sixth now. Um, he's on 80 points. Jack Miller on 70. Quattararo and Crutchlow joint eighth on 67 points each. And then Paula Spagaro still in the top 10 with 56 points in 10th. Still, I believe, the only man that has scored in every single round this year besides the Nino Petrucci, who had that whopper of a crash in FP3 and still would go on to a fourth-place finish. Good recovery from Danilo in the end. Um, so, yeah. Uh, whew. Again, not a classic by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, still well worth uh, a highlight watch on, on a YouTube, I would say. that, that That's my rating. It's the, it's the YouTube rating out of 10. Um, Moto2 was actually quite a lot of fun this time around All as right. well. Uh, it, it was a good Moto2 race. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, about 95% of it anyway. Um, Alex Marquez is on fire. His fourth win in the last five. And this was another round where he was he did enough to eke away from a battle in second group. And it, uh, and that was the main story of the race. Like This was the first time I actually watched Alex Marquez and I thought, hmm, he rode that like Mark did. Nice. Uh, very nice indeed. Again, took the front. Didn't really look back at all no. on that one, and uh, as the as the second as the second group, um, <laughs> and the second group uh, was scrapping it out. Marquez just eked out a gap and uh, didn't really look back on that one. Um, in second place, it's worth mentioning Lord Binder has returned, ladies and gentlemen. He's back. He's back, King. Yes, he is most indeed back. <laughs> right. So how does Lord Binder come back and return to the throne? Simple, by block passing everybody in sight <laughs> into turn one, and it was a it, it was a it was a block pass fiesta um, into turn one all race long, and we were me and Ryan were joking about it all race long. We were watching it together. It was like Binder's just gonna block pass everybody. You get a block pass. You get a block pass. Everybody gets a block pass. And block Binder passes from it. Red Bull cars and bikes <laughs> in this Fortnite? No, sir. I've never heard of it. No, never in a million years. It's a shame because I think if if Binder hadn't started the race from 17th on the grid, we could have actually had a much better lead and fight for the win. Um, because by the time Binder did get to, get to second outright, he couldn't chase down Marquez in time. Um, but but uh, hey, good, hard, aggressive race from Binder, 17th to second. Uh, no complaints from this viewer, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Binder had a fun one, but as I said, he, he completely butchered his tyre trying to catch up. So it was a, it was slide jobs and block passes for everybody. He was in the leading group with him, Marcel Schrotter, who was getting huge chance from the hometown ge German support when he was passing people. It was awesome. Like, uh, if you haven't seen it on the MotoGP social media account, go find the tweets during the Moto2 race, and you can hear the roar from the German fans whenever Marcel Schrotter made a pass. It was very similar to uh, Max Verstappen. A week ago in Austria, um, that that grandstand picked the fuck up when Schrotter passed people. It was awesome. Um, great, you couldn't really make it out on TV, mostly due to the dulcet tones of Keith Hewen, but uh, certainly worth pointing out that uh, the German found the German fans were out in big support for their boy. Um, he was in the leading group with him, Binder, and one Ike Laquona, who was again in that fight for second. It was a tremendous fight. They were scrapping all the way up down the waterfall until I could have quote a binded at the final corner of the final lap. Heartbreak. Oh, if I could have quote no. he, he 
would have finished most likely fourth at worst, but he slid out. The bike went out from underneath him on the final quarter of the final lap, and Laquona is was on his knees, probably in tears, oh. on the final corner gravel trap as the whole field came past him. That's such a shame. <sighs> Man. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking result for Laquona. He was, he was literally about 400 feet from, at worst, a fourth place finish. Damn shame. Damn shame. That fourth was inherited in the end by the a guy on his own in the second group, Fabio Di Giantonio, who had a tremendous result for the rookie in the class in fourth yeah. place. Uh, making up for Catalunya. Great result for him there in fourth. Ahead of Thomas Luti in fifth, who probably could have been a bit higher up the field if it wasn't the fact he had to take a long lap penalty for completely yeeting Xavi Vierge off the track at turn one. Um, it, it wasn't pretty. Um, if anyone, like... Hasn't seen uh, the episode of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Whenever Jazzy Jeff gets thrown out of the house, that was basically Thomas Luti breaking into turn one. Um, he completely missed his missed his breaking line. He he had no chance of making the apex. Um, basically, used Xavi Vierge's bike as a brake. Uh, Vierge was got dumped off, dumped into the gravel trap on the outside. Um, uh, a turn one. He was out of the race, and Zavi was absolutely apocalyptic with rage. Um, oh man! You, 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 you could hit. You could literally see the like the 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 arm throwing and the, the gesticulating after he'd been chucked off. The stewards had to remove him off the side of the track, and that's how angry he was. Uh, Luti and in in, in in classic Thomas Luti style immediately went to the uh, Mark VDS box after the race and profusely apologised. But he had to take a long lap penalty during the race that dropped him to fifth place. Um, in the end, the long lap being the outside of the turn one curb. Um, so Luti fifth, Augusto Fernandez kind of in a race in his, in his own in sixth, but he beat his teammate Lorenzo Baldassari over the line in seventh, who didn't inherit his usual habit of wreckers or checkers. Uh, Jorge Navarro in eighth, nice to see Jorge Martin in ninth place as well for the Red Bull KTM team, and Luca Marini in tenth for Sky VR46 ahead of Sam Lowe's, who actually finished the race without crashing in eleventh, ahead of Tatsuya Nagashima in twelfth. Remy Garner in 13th, Anea Bastini 14th, and Andrea Locatelli rounding off the points in 15th place. Shout out to Jonas Volga, who was back again for the Patronus team in 17th place, back home in Germany, the scene of that fantastic fight he had with Marquez just a couple of years ago um, for Tech 3. Only only a smidge out, only a second outside of the points. Very brave ride from Mr. Jonas Volga there. And uh, I wish him the continued best of him going forward. Anyone caring about British hopes? Jake Dixon didn't make it past the first lap. Oh, Sigh. Uh, championship standings on that one. Alex Marquez now takes a championship lead with an eight-point advantage going into the summer break over the gatekeeper Thomas Luti in second. He's probably still apologising to Xavi on that one. Augusto Fernandez in third on 102 points. Then a freeway tie on 97 between Baldessari Navarro and Marcel Schrotter. Marini is seventh ahead of Binder in eighth on 84 points. And Nea Bastianini is in ninth on 58. And Tetsuya Nagashima rounds off the top 10 with 45. Moto 3 real quick. And uh, hey, another repeat winner, kind of. Lorenzo <laughs> Dallaporta. Taking the W on that one. Like, I love that we were joking about this on last week's show that Dana Porter might win the entire championship without winning a race. And he goes and wins a race a week later. Well done, Lewis. Well predicted, sir. 
<laughs> Round of applause to you, sir, as he, as he uh, beat a uh, carnage-filled leading group of 11, covered by a second oh, going over know, the line. Oh, you know, your typical MotoGP leading pack of double digits, separated by a second at the line. No big... Yeah, no big deal indeed, and they were going about seven wide into the waterfall on the final lap, <laughs> trying to find lines. It was completely ridiculous. But... <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, Dana Porter beating his teammate, Marcos Ramirez, the last Hermano free race winner that wasn't Tony Arbolino, over the line in second. Um, <laughs> and Lewis, once again, with a near miss on the predictions, had Ramirez for the win, lost out by seven hundredths of a second. I told you not of to course. take these trifectas, dude. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Aaron Cannett was third, having started the race from 22nd on the grid after not being able to get a hot lap through in Q1, missing the timing split. Whoops. God damn. Still, says someone in the office, won the trifecta as well. Oh, Lewis, that's brutal. Um, but yeah, can it on the podium from 22nd on the grid. Phenomenal ride. This is why people have faith in you, Aaron. Stop blowing it, for God's sake. Um, excellent ride from the young man there. Romano Fanati in fourth. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Speaking that's speaking of people who have been given chances and blown them on several occasions. Hi, Romano. Fourth place. Good result. Raul Fernandez in fifth. John McPhee in sixth because it was totally not mentioned by Keith Ewan on commentary. Um, Ayagura in seventh. Tatsuki Suzuki in eighth. Ayumi Sasaki in ninth. And Jumpman Cornfar rounding off the top ten um, in tenth place. Sergio Garcia again in eleventh. Just so you know, he was one second off the victory and finished in eleventh. Totally fair. Um, Niccolo Antonelli in 12th. Philippe Salak in 13th. Channel and in 14th. And the aforementioned Arbolino down in 15th place. Couldn't get a grip on things. Holy shit, race. though! It's Chan Archer's back in the points! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> rookie teething problems, everybody. Rookie teething problems. We'll put it down as that. Uh, more than anything else. Championship as it stands. And Dana Porter is back in the lead on 125 points. Ahead of uh, Aaron. Uh, Aaron Canet on 123. Um, Nicola Mantinelli third on 87. Marcos Ramirez on 78 points. Arbolino 77. John McPhee 68. Along with Celestino Valletti on 68. He did not finish in that race. Jai Messia in 60, with 65 points. He did not score in that race either. Jumpman Cornfile on 52 points in ninth. And Kaito Toba still stuck on 51 points. He has not scored since Le Mans. Sad face. Wow. Come on, Kaiotoba, get it together. He was in a big crash with Darren Binder, unfortunately. Another wreckers or checkers guy in Moto3. Um, <laughs> uh, sadly. So, uh, yeah, that's the terms of stands in the Moto3. But we are missing a category because for the first time in the history of everything, Moto E in the World Cup made its debut at the Saxon Ring this Woo! weekend. Delighted to finally the see it The hottest ticket in motorcycle racing today. <laughs> Figuratively now instead of literally. <laughs> no, that was also a fire, so <laughs> Like I love that King had to put the asterisk in that yes, there was a fire. <laughs> Thanks, King. Thanks for reminding everybody here. Way that to was fucking the go. joke. No, no, no. There's a fire in the race. Oh, oh shit. That's true. That 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 is true. Not not ideal, everybody. Let me just let me just say that from now. Um, yes, Moto E made its debut. 
Um, so who else here got to see this or got to see footage of this? Because I did, and uh, I have takes. I got well, to see highlights of it. I saw well, a bike down. I saw a barrier that looked out of place, and I saw some good racing. Yep. It was I, ooh, for despite being scheduled as a seven lap sprint, which we which they ran six of. It was probably some of the best. It was probably the six best laps of racing that weekend. Yeah, it it was arguably the race of the weekend, uh, besides maybe Moto Three. It was a great race, a um, uh, great weekend. Sadly, Mo, like BT Sport didn't exactly air all of it, which wasn't ideal. They didn't get, show the practice sessions, which was, was a bit of a shame because I think as a way of introducing people into the sport, I think that would have been a great idea. Didn't happen, especially because there are some familiar names in this field, which I'll get to in a, in a minute. But uh, it was still a, a, a very fun experience. Uh, we didn't get off to the best of starts when in the first ever e-pole qualifying session, Maria Herrera got black flagged for jumping the gun in pit lane and coming out on the red light. Mm, um, God damn it, Maria. <laughs> But besides that, it was a it, it was a fun time for all involved. Nicky Tooley uh, got the first ever pole position, and he would go on to win a five lap sprint race in the end, ahead of Bradley Smith and Mike Demeglio. Um, shout out to the Discord that's already sharing by totally legal sources the race <laughs> itself. Um, <laughs> um, as, as Lewis mentioned, they didn't like nobody televised the practice sessions. So I thought was a bit weird. They they really should like it's a brand new category. You need to give it as much exposure as possible. Um, <laughs> um, quite frankly, but uh, no, again, it was a fun time. I actually loved the noise of the bikes, and I also loved the fact that uh, we, we got to hear sounds you don't normally hear in bike racing because, I guess you haven't seen it in person, like, GP bikes are ludicrously loud. Like, you have no idea until you hear it in person just how loud these things are up close. So you could actually hear... Um, like the knee sliders going down and grinding against the surface when they're leaning, the engines, you know, like it, it, it like gets some, just, just the st- atmosphere of it was fantastic. And um, it was a great spectacle. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, and as Lewis clarified, no one could see it anywhere. Not a world feed for, for free practice at all. Very, very odd. Um, hope that improves in the future. Um, because, again, it was a very, very fun race. Very much enjoyed it. Again, at one point we had a leading group of seven dudes um, in at, at the start of the field during that race. It, it, was a, it was a very fun sprint. It was meant to be a seven-lap race. It was only five. I'll get to the reason why in a minute. But uh, Nikki Tooley won the first ever Moto E World Cup race by 0.4 of a second over Bradley Smith, who very, very funnily joked, I've forgotten what it felt like to lead a race. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bradley finishing 0.4 off the top in second, ahead of the former 125cc champion Mike Demeglio in third, uh, Hector Garzo in fourth. Remember him, that great super sub in Moto2? He's back. Matteo Ferrari in fifth. Alex DeAngelis, one of the most ridiculous riders of yesteryear. That man feared nothing. He is in sixth. Uh, Xavier Simeon in seventh from, 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 from fun Moto2 times in that one year he was in MotoGP. Remember him? The guy in the number 10? No, me neither. Eric Granado was eighth. Some guy called Sete Gibernau in ninth. Who's heard of him? Anyone? Mm. Mm. Decent rider in the mid two thousands. Yeah, no? yeah, might have taken Valentino Rossi to a, to the limit in a couple title fights, maybe. Mm-hmm. Fun times, and then behind him, some guy called Nico Tirol, another pretty solid rider in his day. You know, 
See, there's some fun names in this series. Mateo Casadi in 11th, Nicolo Canapa in 12th, Viesco Raffin in 13th, Kenny Foray in 14th, Josh Hook in 15th. We'll see him at Suzuka for the eight hours later in, later in the month. Um, by the way, same scoring system as in, as in every other uh, series, by the way. So, as usual, by the GP rules, top 15 scores, 25, 20, 16, 13, etc. Um, like, again, two guys outside of the points. Maria Herrera, unfortunately, in 16th. And Randy Lepunier. Yes, that Randy Lepunier in 17th. Um, and only one DNF, unfortunately, and it was Lorenzo Savadori, who uh, binned at the bottom of the, uh, in the, bottom of the hill. Um, and uh, just to say... A, a, 20, a 260 kilo bike and an air fence don't mix. Uh, his bike shattered into the air fence. It broke the air fence. And uh, that's pretty much an automatic red flag um, for safety reasons, for obvious safety reasons. Um, race was red flagged. Result was called off the five laps. So if, a, a seven-minute race for Moto E. But Nicky Tooley won the day. I mean, Hewan made a very good point. They may have to be careful. These bikes are a lot heavier than uh, the average GP bike. How much, be fine for the majority how much the heavier are we talking for perspective compared to like a Moto GP bike in the top class? About an extra 100 kilos. I believe the GP top class bikes are about 160 kilos. These are 260 kilos. God damn. Um, they are very, very heavy with all those batteries on it. Of course, I'm sure it will get better as development on this bike gets gets faster. Um, like, we, like we've seen in Formula E over the years, I'm sure development will bring that down a bit um, as time goes by. But as Cam points out, it's like adventure bike size. It's, 200, it's over a quarter of a ton. And uh, some tracks aren't built for bikes of that size flying towards a catch fence. Saxon Ring has never had the particularly big runoff areas in some places, and that one did not help. So yeah, Savadori put it in the wall, bike breaks air fence, races red flagged. And it was and that was it. After six laps, obviously the obviously red flag rules in GP, they put it back to the last completed lap, which was lap five. Snickatuli won by point four of a second in the end. So as mentioned, two leads championship by five points over Bradley Smith and Mike Demeglio. It's a fun race. Go out of your way to see it. It's uh it's very fun, very different, very unique. Um, I'm a fan. Very much enjoyed this. Um, I think it's a great addition to the series um, to have a early morning Moto E race to, to be the warm up for the obviously the established series we know and love. Very very much enjoyed it. Um, yeah, go out of your way yeah. to see it. And again, some good names in the series as well. Names you will know and recognise. And great to see him get a chance to you know showcase a brand new series and one that I think has potential. Um, to be very, very good. Yeah. And if anyone is, if anyone is still complaining about engine noise on these things, I'm going to fight you, personally. <laughs> these bikes sound great. I love that it's different. Embrace different. For God's sake, bloody noise and anarchists. Silly people. Silly people. But yeah, MotoGP, everybody, in Germany. Their summer break now starts. They'll be back in three weeks' time at the Red Bull Ring in Spielberg. I wonder if a Ducati will challenge for the win. Probably. Hmm. <laughs> Is the answer to that question. Should be fun indeed. Should we talk about what's in black for a minute? We all thought it was done. We all thought this was done and dusted, mm -hmm. and we would never have to talk about World Superbikes ever again on this program. 
Well, funny thing happened. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> just, 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 just to re- can we rewind for just a second here? I, I, I will get the uh, car that looks like a video player on SB Nation, pop a VHS in, and you know, push the hood down. And uh, if we go back to the Haref Super Pole race. This was the peak of Alvaro Bautista's championship lead. I believe it was his 11th consecutive win to start the season. At that point in time, Alvaro Bautista had a 61-point lead in the championship. He goes into the summer break 24 points down. Yeah. Time for this week's edition of SB Nation's Collapse. They won't How did Bautista in a sixty-one point lead evaporate over the space of uh, of a space of a, of a handful of race weekends? Well, it didn't help that the British weather came to hit Donington hard on Saturday, um, <laughs> and uh, we got a downpour and a very wet race one at Donington, a race that was completely dominated by one Jonathan Ray. Uh, he won by 11.3 seconds. It wasn't the most captivating race in the world. On sad- sadly, ugh, the wet race really, really spread out the field. There's a couple of names I want to point out. Um, yeah, Ray was five and a half seconds clear after two laps, to put it into perspective. Um, this race was done by lap three. Um, not ideal, to say the least. But uh, in the middle of the... Uh, in the middle of the race, Bautista, who was running fifth at the time, binned it, slid slid the rear loose, trying to save it. Couldn't do it. Uh, another uh, DNF for Alvaro Bautista in a race that Jonathan would go on to win handsomely. And uh, another 25-point swing going Jonathan's... Um, Jonathan's... Ray? <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> very clever. Go, go, go me. Well done, everybody. Well, well done. Well done. Um, I love all of the rest of the references now in the, in the Discord. Vikesh saying, uh, <laughs> it's the 2014 Bluetista uh, <laughs> stage of Bautista's season. Very, very good, Vic. No, very, no very this good. is John Cena AAing at uh, Bautista off the top of a car. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, pretty much. Uh, I quit, I quit. Fling. Um, all of a sudden, we're talking about Bautista having an unbeatable bike to, hmm. Should they take 250 revs off the Kawasaki's now? <laughs> a very, very weird title scenario situation. Um, also, if you have not seen Alessandro Del Bianco save one of the wild cards coming in for the weekend, if you have not seen this save, go out of your way to see it. Um, it is a almighty, ridiculous save. Um Truly, truly um, incredible. A, a, a true bruh moment, to say the least. Um, easily the save of the year um, on that one. But uh, yeah, Ray winning race one comfortably ahead of Tom Sykes, who we all know loves Donington anyway. He qualified on pole, would finish the race in second. More on him in a minute. Uh, and Leon Haslam finishing third. Again, another guy who loves Donington. He rounded off the podium ahead of Laurie Spaz. Spaz is back, everybody. Hooray. In fourth, ahead of Alex Lowe's on the proper Yamaha factory team. Baz on the 10 Carte Yamaha wildcard that came in halfway through the year. Well done, Baz. Good to see you. Uh, Mercado, Andrew Mercado had his best ever finish in the GP as well. He was in sixth. 
on the Satellite Kawasaki and the Pendant Bike. Peter Hickman, who filled in from the BSB series, the all-time Isle of Man lap record holder. He was seventh on the BMW Epsom 1000 yeah, Um Great result from Peter Hickman there. Very brave performance. Michael Vandermark recovering from his accident um, a couple of weeks ago. He wasn't at his best, understandably, um, in eighth. And Alessandro uh, Del-, Del Bianco, save included, in ninth ahead of Chaz Davis rounding off the top ten. Bautista, Torres, and Cortese failing to finish. Now, before I get into race two, I have to talk about the Super Pole race. Oh, now, let's talk about it. Now, it was a very fun race. Uh, Jonathan Ray would go on to win it ahead of uh, Tom Sykes and uh, Top Rasgatioglu. Um, also, we fought. Um, okay, here's the situation. And I will do my very best to explain it. Because if you have not listened to, to a particular episode of Bike Live from earlier in... Actually, from actually late last year... You probably are about to be very confused by what happened. So, <clears throat> bear with me for the next five minutes. I will try my very best to explain the context behind this. Now, <laughs> here's the thing. The race um, was... We didn't get the full ten laps. Um, the race ended prematurely due to a red flag. A big accident involving Peter Hickman spinning oil and a big accident afterwards collected a bunch of people um the race was red flagged early um which again normal procedure the race the result was called they i think they got seven out of the uh, 10 laps in so the race was called um the result race is over there will not be a restart etc um so there yeah they are cruising back to the pit lane the race already declared dead and buried um, not the best job from the marshals, I have to say, on this one. Now, Hickman's bike was spilling oil all over the back end of the Melbourne Loop, the penultimate corner on the track. Um, unfortunately, the riders did not know that there was a big oil spill by the bottom of the loop. Um, and on their way back to the pit lane, Tom Sykes' bike completely falls down. Um, Sykes was very lucky not to break a collarbone on this one, by the way. Um, nasty spill. Uh, it is literally an oil slick. Like, if you've ever seen an episode of Wacky Races, you know, it is precisely that. Um, he falls, crashes the bike, bike goes into the gravel, can't be salvaged. Tom Sykes is then disqualified from the result. Um, Rayan has him very nearly overshot it too, as Lewis points out, but uh, Sykes could not bring his back his bike back to the pit lane. Sykes is then disqualified from the result. Now, in case you're wondering, now why the hell has that happened? If you have not casted your mind back to episode 79 of Bike Live, dutifully nicknamed Mahias Falls Flat. It's time for me to explain what we now delightfully nickname the Mahias Rule. Oh boy. Let's be real. Not everybody listens to Bike Live. Some people just aren't bike guys, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Now, cast your mind back to Portimao last year in World Superbikes. In this case, specifically the World Super Sports race. Now, what happened at the end of this race? Okay. There is. A, like. It's a final lap situation. Uh, Lucas Mahias has suffered a puncture 
on the final lap of the race, a race that he was leading. Um, uh, his teammate, Federico Caracasulo, overtakes him, and, well, it looks like Caracasulo is going to win the race. It's like, it's like it's going to be a heartbreaking result for Mahias, who has to basically limp around and try and salvage whatever he can get. However, there was a red flag on the final lap. There was another incident further back between, I believe it was Rob Hartog and another rider. I can't remember his name. It was a year or so ago. Um, so, the race is red flagged. Now, they go back in a red flag situation. They go back to the last previously completed lap. At the time, two laps from the end, Lucas Mahias was still leading. So, technically speaking... Lucas Mahias has won the race. Now, this is the problem. We, this, was, this was a very, very obscure rule in the book that uh, no one had ever spoken about on a live TV broadcast before. In the event of the race being finished, you have to get your bike back into pit lane within five minutes of the result being declared. So... From the moment the red flag is out, you have five minutes to get back to the pit lane and you're not allowed to take a shortcut. Remember that, it becomes important later. Now, as I've mentioned, Mahias now has a punctured rear tyre. But he's now won the race. Can you see where this is going? He has to drag a punctured motorcycle back to the pit lane in roughly four and a half minutes. Now... This is extremely dangerous, of course, but Mahias had to drag a bike with a rear tyre that had already gone and race back to the pit lane within five minutes to be officially declared as the race winner. Right, so Mahias actually crashes it twice trying to slide a, a bike with no rear tyre back to pit lane within five minutes, and he actually cuts um, a backside of the track to save time. Now... Lucas makes it back to the pit lane, I believe, with something like eight seconds to spare. So, so the team starts celebrating. They think Mahias has won the race. Hooray! Until he's then disqualified from the result because he took a shortcut to get back to the pits in time. Mm. Lucas is disqualified. For Federico Caracasulo takes the win. And everyone and everyone on Bike Live, including me and Lewis and everyone else, just immediately screams bullshit because why has he got to race back to the pit lane? The race is over. Like it's it was a crock of shit rule. Um, and as Lewis agrees, he quotes it in the Discord says the rule is designed to establish which bikes are running at the time of the stoppage, but this should only apply if the race is being restarted, in my opinion. If a result is declared, why does it matter if you can't get the bike back? And that is the exact point that I was going to make. The race is over. It will not be restarted. And there's no subjectivity it, to it. I mean, what what the fuck is Tom Sykes going to do in that case? He can't ride the back bike back, and if it were to gotten hurt, that would have looked even worse. Yep. Precisely. Um, Mahias was disqualified from the result. Federico Caracasulo uh, won the race. And we thought that was the end of that story. Until it wasn't. Because his team tried to appeal the decision because Mahias still had an outside chance of winning the championship if he had been given said victory. He lost said appeal. So then... The team took it to the Court of Arbitration for Sports. <laughs> yes. The CAS, the highest sporting court in the land. And the CAS overturned it. 
Mahias was given his win back. And he was given a 25-point boost right at the end, which gave him an outside chance of winning the championship. It did not happen. It would eventually go to Sandro Cortese in the end. But uh, I still famously remember having to basically add an entire bonus segment to the end of a bike live because the news that Mahias had got his win back came right as we actually finished recording a show. We were like... This is far too close to let this go. All of a sudden, we have a Super Sport Freeway title fight. Hooray! Oh, it's a crock of shit, is the, is the short story here from the end of it. So, yeah, we call that the Mahias rule, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and, yeah, as Lewis points out on the Discord again, imagine if this rule applied to Fernandez failing to get his bike to park firmly off the win and ass and yeah, last weekend. Yeah, that would have been so fucking dumb. Exactly. He stalled on the celebration lap. And I think, I remember Francisco Bagnaia did it as well in Moto2 at the end of last year when he was trying to put the gold world championship winning celebration livery on the fairing of his, uh, of his uh, Moto2 bike and then he stalled and couldn't get it going again. Um... That could have cost him a win in World Superbike rules. Hooray. Um, and as Lewis points out, when even Loris Baz, the man who hates Sykes' guts, says he was harshly treated, you know he got shafted. Sykes lost his second place in the Super Bowl race and had to also start race two from 10th on the grid due to Super Bowl setting the grid for race two um, and got no points for his trouble. Pull one out for Tom Sykes, everybody. Jeez, yeah. Pour one out. I'm going to take a quick breath, because <laughs> that was a bitch to explain. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Mahias rule, everybody. Oh, uh, boy. A shitter, to say the least. Um, but we got to race two later in the afternoon. This one was dry, and it was a tremendous fight, a four-way fight between uh, Jonathan Ray, Toprak Razgatioglu, and Alvaro Bautista with Leon Haslam in the leading group. And we got we essentially got a rematch of Ray versus Toprak. Ray desperate for his first ever top flight victory, and Ray throwing the house trying to find a way around him. It was a fantastic race. It tailed off a little bit at the end because Top Rack just didn't quite have the legs to beat him. Only a third of a second separating the top two over the line. It just Top Rack just didn't quite have enough raw pace to get over Jonathan on this one. But another tremendous dogfight between Ray and Toprak. Haslam and Bautista was there for the vast majority of this fight as well. They tailed off towards the end. Um, but yeah, Ray and Toprak, another tremendous fight. Toprak is the real deal, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're Leon Haslam, I worry for your seat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We Just saying. Uh, I have to throw that one out there. Ray, Razgatioglu and Bautista rounding off the podium in third, ahead of Alex Lowe's in fourth, ahead of Leon Haslam. Laurie Spass sixth. Tom Sykes recovered to seventh. Um, Michael Vandermark in eighth. Davies ninth. Melandri tenth. Ahead of Peter Hickman. Michael Ruben Rinaldi. Sandro Cortese. Leandro Mercado. And Alessandro Del Bianco rounding off the points in fifteenth. Still faster than Rinichi Kianari. Sigh. Also, also a bit concerning that there was only 17 full-time bikes on the grid for, yeah, for the Yeah, that's not good. That's not necessarily good. And this was with wild cards. Obviously, I know Marcus Reiterberger wasn't racing this weekend and Hickman was filling in, but still, it's uh, ungood. I know Eugene Laverty was 
like tried to race this weekend as well, and he was declared unfit after FP2. They didn't want to risk it with him getting hurt further. Um, so Laverty sat sat the weekend. Now he was determined to race at his home weekend. Couldn't quite get there, um, but uh, not the funnest of times uh, uh, on that one. Um, but hey, Jonathan Ray goes into the World Superbike Summer Break, which I believe is two months long. Sigh. Um, with a uh, 24 point lead over Ravara yeah. Batista. Well, keep in mind, there is there is Laguna Seca next week. Oh, sorry. Week. Lagu- That's a very good point. I actually missed that yes, one. Yes, and uh, now we're, and then right. we're going my, on my summer break. Folks. Yay, Laguna Seca. Sigh, it's still kind of dangerous to race around. But it's uh, in America. No ideal. Why the hell are you doing a back to back between Britain and America? I don't know. That's a terrible idea. I know it's a it's a stupid idea. But back to back weeks of superbikes. Also, still a, a a big hinted rumor that Tisa about might be going to Kawasaki next year. Oh boy. Oh boy. Hmm. Tasty. Interesting one. That. Not entirely sure I would go with that when you've got top rack right there. But... Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. But uh, yeah, apparently you know Spanish run team. They want a Spanish guy on their bike. I guess. You know, if you want to go down that road. Uh, so, you know. Also hearing Zephyr Viege being hinted at it as well. Not Fernando Alonso. But, uh, Discord. Oh, dear. Um, we'll, see, we'll see how that goes. Not fun. But, yeah, multiple bikes. They're giving a Seika this weekend. Um, <laughs> also, didn't realize we're on the clock with King because he's got to go in about 20, 25 minutes or so. King, so, King, we'll... let's jump ahead in the set list. Um, yeah. We're going to go to the week ahead because you're going to be at the New York City E-Pre. Yes, uh, I am going to be attending the New York City E-Pre as a member of the media. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. Very good. Uh, King, I need your spiciest takes and insights on this dramatic title finale. <laughs> it's like it's 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 down to two people, uh, Jean-Eric Vernet Tachita and Lucas Agrassi and Audi. Uh, you got some fringe contenders, I, though. You got Evans on the fringe. You got Lauder on the fringe. True, true, but... When push comes to shove, those are the two guys who have the most realistic chance of winning it. I don't want to say it's completely guaranteed for Vern yet, because as we watch in pretty much every other season finale up to this point, anything could happen. And it- Some bullshit will go down. Uh, like, this is Formula E and it's a season finale. This always happens. And it's in New York. <laughs> Uh, again, I, I I love that Lewis put in the Discord when they see a tash like Kings, they'll know he means business. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, did you get to watch <laughs> W Series from the Norris Ring? I did not, unfortunately. RJ it was a bit unfortunately work commitments took over this uh, weekend. I didn't get a oh, chance man. to go out and see it, but I did hear Marta Garcia laid the hammer. All <laughs> aboard the Marta train now boarding <laughs> to victory at the Norris yes. Ring. Choo choo. Oh, man. Um, also, tough break for Alice Powell was up in podium contention and then retired. Oh, I like Alice Powell. That's sad face. Oh, <laughs> man. King, you got any advanced insights on this one? Advanced insights? Well, uh, Chadwick still in, is still in the points lead, but, man, Bieska Visser is not making it easy at all. <laughs> 
Yeah. If you look at the championship standings at the top, there's only 10 points separating Chadwick from Visser, and then it's another 13 points back from Visser Garcia, who jumps all the way into third, ahead of Fabian Volwend, who finished fourth on 41 points. Alice Powell now slides out of title contention on fifth and 33. Hmm, Chad is not having it all her own way then. This should be interesting going forward, because I know well, she was the landslide favorite going into the season in the first place, but... Uh, well, it, yeah. it, it, it doesn't seem like it, but we're very close to the end of the season. Indeed. Like we're, like, I swear we're already like beyond halfway in. Yes, like, we have two rounds remaining. Including a new... That went quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, keep in mind, we've also tacked on a non-championship round at Assen. Yes. <laughs> Cause Assen, shoot me! Why is this a thing? So they're going to ruin Assen with their tires. Get them up! Get them up out the paint. So yeah, the next round is in Assen, which after the round concludes on the Sunday, they'll have a reverse grid race based on the finishing result from Saturday. How much do you want to bet they'll make that a full-time thing for season two? I maybe, maybe. Rules don't matter. Probably. Rules don't matter. Right. All, all of a sudden, I'm sitting next to the black version of Drew Carey. <laughs> welcome, to, welcome, to the, welcome to the W series where Chadwick wins and the points don't matter. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. But congrats to Mardo Garcia, all aboard the hype train. Noise ring's always fun. Um, let's like, see. Um, King, was there anything else in our set list that you wanted to talk about before you have to get out of Dodge? Okay, quick glance at the set list. Nothing in particular that I have a strong opinion about. Uh, I'd say hot takes for the uh, British Grand Prix. Think Mercedes are going to actually just walk it. Uh, IndyCar. How the hell is that fucking bold? <laughs> it's not. That's a bold. What the hell is wrong with you? Uh, IndyCar at Toronto. Ooh, that's gonna be fun. I'll be able to, to stick around for when you when you cover what's gonna be happen before the race. Yes, but uh, yeah, IndyCar Toronto. Think Alex Rossi. That's when he's gonna start mounting his championship challenge. I, I love the IndyCar and now finally realizing the marketing opportunity here and now going all in on New Garden versus Rossi for the title. Thank fucking Christ. Like, like realize what you have here rather than trying to rim Santino Ferrucci from afar. Oh like, seriously. Like, Jesus. Finally. You're like, God, like, hello. Two handsome, under 30, brilliant world-class racing drivers in the title fight. And they're really frigging close and they're really bloody brilliant at driving race cars. Get behind them. New Garden versus Rossi. It's fucking lit. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, had to get that off my chest. Um, <laughs> also, we have to mention this as well because it's in the new section, but uh, there will be a very special driver in the doing the parade lap in the pace car going into Toronto this weekend. And that man's name is, and there's only one of him. Robert Wickens. There's only one, Robert fucking Wickens. What a hero. Um, he will be driving the pace car, especially adapted uh, pace car, thanks to Honda and obviously Arrow Electronics that are obviously very, very big on adapting cars um, to, you know, to paraplegics and, you know, drivers with disabilities. Yes, if you recall. Yeah, Sam with, with Sam Schmidt uh, when he drove the uh, the, hand, the, uh, the Corvette at at Indy a couple of years back. It'll be a similar concept. Uh, it'll be an Acura NSS painted up just like an Aero Indy car, carrying Wiccan's number six, I might add. 
It's beautiful. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Oh, it's gonna be fantastic. I don't think there will. I don't think there will ever be uh, so many wet eyes on a on a pace car lap. But uh, uh, again, a a superhuman level of resilience and fortitude. If you do not follow Robert Wickens and you're a motorsport fan, what the hell are you doing with yourselves? He's documented his full recovery on Instagram and on social media. They've been they've done a, a tremendous job with that and. Um, on top of that as well. He's also shared not just the good times, but the bad as well, because he did catch an infection um, as well a couple of weeks ago. So that was a minor setback. He's determined to get back into full recovery. The man's a goddamn hero. And Carly Woods um, is going to be riding with him too. Oh, his fiance Carly as well. The lovely Carly Woods. Again, like all the IndyCars partners are fantastic on the Instagrams as well. They are all amazingly charming and charismatic and lovely people. It's it's annoying how much I like them all. <laughs> They're all great. And yeah, it's, it's going to be fantastic. And uh, continued well wishes and speedy recovery from everybody here at M101 to Robert Wickens. It's uh, absolutely goddamn phenomenal. King, get out of town already. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> time for me to say do hopefully you won't have to discuss anything controversial when i'm gone <laughs> never uh, never and say and say hi to katie for us okay if you end up on her podcast i will kill you <laughs> cool cool nice nice bye. to know i won't mention that i've also been on another formerly podcast excuse me yeah, we'll, we'll put some links in the description <laughs> Ryan King, everybody. He's a dead man walking. I don't care. Next week's show will have Ryan King's head from the top of a a Bodicea rest. Are we still opening that show with music? I love that Lewis put in the Discord the first time ever King's been early with the bye. <laughs> Outstanding. Um, I, I have to mention as well, RJ, Goodwood Festival of Speed. Yeah. Roman Dumas, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Dumas shit. with the first sub 40 second run up the hill climb in the Volkswagen IDR. <laughs> that man is a legend. 9990 hill climb obliterating I think it's Nick Heinfeld's former lap record um, in one of the old McLaren Formula 1 yeah. cars I believe it was yeah 1999 it, it, it stood the record stood yeah. for 20 years until Romain Dumas first broke it with a 41-1-8 and then broke it again in his second run with a 39-9 now it did how the hell how- how the hell did he find 1.7 seconds on a 40-second race? Oh, that is that is incredible. Now, keep in mind, uh, in the final shootout, the the official uh, time for the shootout was a bit slower because the tramp the damp there the track was damp. I can find my words, mm-hmm. but still won the shootout <laughs> and Romain Dumas go in the history books with the fastest ever run up the hill climb. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, that Volkswagen IDR is a phenomenal vehicle. It really is. Um, we've already, we've already probably heard of it. If you probably most likely remember it from smashing the Nurburgring electric car record, 
um, as well as obliterating the Pikes Peak Hill Climb world record as well. So um, it's already gathering quite a reputation, and uh, it is a phenomenal racing vehicle, to say the least. And uh, Ramin Dumas is a, a hell of a driver, and uh, yeah, an all-time hill climb record at Goodwood obliterated by him in the Volkswagen oh. IDR. Well done, sir. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. There was some. There was plenty of good stuff at the Festival of Speed. I mean, sadly, I didn't get to go, but you had like a whole plethora of Porsche 9117 race cars, a museum exhibit of Ooh, uh, yes. all of Michael Schumacher's title-winning F1 cars, too. Uh, although I, beautiful. I do have to point out that they did have some some contemporary older F1 cars that were reliveried, and, oh, that just looks wrong. It just doesn't look right. Yeah. Like, keep it authentic, people. Who cares if there's, if there's a few scuff marks on it? That's the point. It adds prestige and, and, and honor and all them. And, all and also, good I know Red Bull, also, you've had a falling out with your previous engine partner, but come on, man. We can tell that's a Renault. That ain't a Honda in the back. Precisely. Like, who are you trying to fool here? Like, I, I, I didn't notice one cool thing, though. Damon Hill driving Michael Schumacher's 1994 Benetton. Yes. That was a uh, that was an image, to say the least. I I, I, I was I, I couldn't help but sit back and watch that, thinking Damon's thinking. Finally, after twenty five years, I, I finally get to see. You know, it was funny. Uh, Butson tweeted out like, "Imagine if in the damp conditions the car gets a perfect start off the line and doesn't spin its wheels, because that was always the controversy allegedly with the B one nine four. And of course, the car broke down during Damon Hill's run in it." Yeah, who's swapping helmet files in GP2? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Precisely. Goodwood, all the good stuff is uh, available, archived on their YouTube channel. Go see it. It's a fun time. It's always a fun time at Goodwood. I will be there one day, uh, rubbing shoulders with Alex Albon and probably crying over how much it cost me to get there in the first place. Um, how much is a kidney on the black market these days? I wonder. Uh... RJ, tell us more about a ridiculous win in NASCAR. Oh my gosh. Um, so we had the Coke Zero Sugar 400, formerly the Pepsi 400, formerly the Firecracker 400 at Daytona International Speedway. It is one of the biggest races on the calendar. It was a race that with about 33 laps to go, we had a massive pile up at the front of the field, and then it started to rain, and then it started to rain more, and then there was lightning, lots of lightning, and a race that was already delayed by weather once already from Saturday night till Sunday afternoon. They did not run the race to completion, and with the race red flagged and the race now official, Justin Haley, driving for first-year team Spire Motorsports, took the win in one of NASCAR's Blue Ribbon events. Now, let me put this into perspective. Justin Haley is driving just his third start with a Spire Motorsports team that bought out the charter of the now-deceased Furniture Row Racing. This is Zombie Furniture Row Racing, and they are a team that, well, let's just say they have not had any genuine competitive outings, shall we say. Yeah. Yes, and to put it in a betting odds perspective, most sites didn't even give him odds to bet on. He was part of the field, and part of the field means you are either, you're anywhere from 40 to 1 to 1,000 to 1. 1,000 to 1 long shot rookie at 19 years old in just his third race for Zombie Furniture Row Racing just won this race. 
a 1,000 to 1 shot. Yes, he's not, He, I mean, he's not even eligible for Cup Series points. That's the other thing, too. He's a full-time Xfinity Series driver in the second tier. Could you imagine, Dre, just like if a Moto2 wildcard just rocked up and won, like, I don't know, the Catalan Grand Prix or something? Yeah, that'd be like curry. That'd be like watching Curry Dan Powie in a dry race go up to MotoGP from a first-time outfit and then smoke the field. This would be like if Christoph um, Ponson I- won a red flag race at Phillip Island. <laughs> also, also to further emphasize the point uh, from Cam, Zombie Furniture Row Racing meets Andrea Moda winning the 400 miles at Daytona. It's kind of like that. I mean, it's it's incredible, and I uh, I would hope. That this leads to more competitive opportunities for Justin Haley. And hey, maybe Spire Motorsports can actually make a few runs and actually being competitive instead of hanging around the mid-30s with no real interest in just running a team other than, hey, we have a charter and guaranteed entry to all the races we want. Why the hell not? Why bother being competitive? Right. (laughs) Who knows? But uh, yeah, a a beautiful miracle win in NASCAR. They're always fun. The thousand to one odds, the same that Jack Miller got when he won that miracle race at Assen a few years back when he was still riding for Mark VDS. Uh, That that was a fun time. It seems so Uh, long ago. It does seem so long ago. Jeez. Quick wrap up of the rest of the news. Yes. Um... We have some good supercar, uh, some, some good sports car news, I should say. Uh, Mazda Team Yost mm. with another one to finish their second in a row at the artist formerly known Hooray. as Mo Sport, now known as Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, in a race that was dumped off of network television to facilitate the delayed Daytona 400 miles. Oh. Yes, this time it was Oliver Jarvis and Tristan Nunez in the 77 car taking the win this time. Um, we did get some, we did have a scary wreck late in the race, uh, when Yunkos racing driver Victor Franzoni lost the back of his Cadillac DPI over the hill at turn two, uh, he overcorrected and sent it sliding into the tire barriers where it ended up on its side, buried by the tires and barely visible by the cameras, almost looking like, you remember Luciano Burdick's crash from Spa in 2001? Oof. Yeah, similar to that. And if he had been, if he'd not been a closed cockpit car, it would have been much, much worse. Thankfully, he has been discharged from a local hospital. He's awake and alert. He's already posting on his Instagram, thanking everybody for you know his for their support of him after what was a just an awful accident. Oof. Thankfully, relatively okay. Yes. Um. We did also learn that. Um. We did also learn that one of the privateers from Lama. SMP Racing have uh, have withdrawn their LMP1 entry. So now we're down to as little as five, but no more than six entries in the top class for next year's WEC season. Oh dear God, just end it already, people. <sighs> like, seriously, they literally quit because they said they had no chance of winning. Like, that just kind of says it all, really, doesn't it? Like... Jeez. And, and what the hell is MPB what is that what the hell is that MP1 at this point? Seriously. Yeah, their their only hope now is that the uh, the revived Janetta project can come to fruition, but um I would hope that it turns out better than the last time they tried it. Um Toyota's still here, they're still going at mm. least, and hey, all the other classes look healthy at least. And yeah, yeah. If you if you have a chance to find the accident again, I don't glorify accidents like the one Franzoni had, but you'll be amazed to think 
he, he was relatively fine and he'll race another day. Yeah, definitely worth a, uh, a watch. Quick wrap-up of supercars in Townsville yes. as well. Scotty McLaughlin and Shane Van Gisbergen splitting victories. McLaughlin continuing to go after that single-season wins record. I know there was a big uh, accident between him and I believe it was uh, Reynolds as well, mm. and, there, and there'd be beef between oh, them. Yes. So that was, that, was, uh, that was fun. Oh, yes. My, uh, yes, I, I love it. And I love the quote as well from Shane Van Gisbergen after the race where the race finished under a safety mm-hmm. car. A Ford Mustang safety car, I might add. And he was just like, I'm just upset yeah. that I still had to follow one of those bastards home at the end of it after all. <laughs> 11, 12, 12. Beautiful. That's Beautiful. his 13th win of the season. Uh, their next race is the Ipswich Super Sprint on the weekend of July 27th and 28th. And one of our Patreon backers, James Calantis, will be there in person. Woo! Have a good time, sir. So, quick breakdown of what we got coming up this weekend. We've mentioned Formula E and the New York City uh, Super Finale. Uh, with Ryan King, we'll be there in person. Good times for all involved there. The Formula One British Grand Prix, or that to call it, how far does Lewis Hamilton drill us, basically? <laughs> um, the answer being probably balls deep is, is the answer to that one, I would say. IndyCar's Grand Prix at Toronto, more New Garden versus yes, Rossi. More, more, of it, more, more of it, more of it. And hey, this might be a good time for... Bikes at Laguna yeah, Seca. yeah. Mm. yes, and of course, Super Formula at Fuji, the debut of Patricio Award! Nice! Very nice indeed. Should we get out of town? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it indeed. Let's get out of here. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Again, our episode 200 live stream is available in full for your viewing pleasure. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Um, and uh, our Twitter handles at, at Harrison101HD at RJ O'Connell, and at Dead Man Walking. And if you really, really like us, you can follow us for back as fine, actually, on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows before they go out. Um, and $10 gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Shout out to all the guys who shuffled in and out. Big thanks to Lewis and Cam in the Discord, as always, for contributing. Vic was there too. James, uh, Steve, and Lacamard as well. Thanks, everyone, for showing up. And I hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight. Um, again, you can find all of our stuff on motorsport101.com as well, including me, writing stuff, straight the races, all sorts of stuff on Assen, Austria, and probably more this weekend because, my God, we've got a lot of motorsport to get through. That should be fun. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about... Well, a heap of shit, most likely. I I wouldn't be surprised if it's a double taping. Let's put it to you that way. Uh, until then, I've been Andre Harrison. He's been RJ O'Connell. And from the ghost of Ryan Eric King, thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Wait, wait, I got this one. I got this one. <clears throat> Bye! <laughs>